You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. My name is Adam and I'm bringing to us today's Bible reading from Galatians chapter 3 verses 15 to 22. Brothers and sisters, let me share an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to his seeds, many, many people, but to his seed, many one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Has anyone ever received an inheritance from a will? You receive something for free because someone else has put it into a contract that when they die, they want you to receive it. Now, of course, it's up to you what you do with it. If you keep it, if you give it away, whichever. But the point is, it's up to them what they do with their property and where it goes. I knew of a man in his early 20s who received a house as part of an inheritance from his father's friend, a man he hardly even knew. When he discovered he'd inherited a whole home, he got on a plane, flew to the city that was in and was just quite excited to see this house that he'd inherited and what he was going to do with it. You can imagine some of his siblings might have been a bit jealous as they thought, I've been saving for a house for years. How come it's just given to him? Or maybe some friends of the deceased man thought, I actually knew the man. Who is this young whippersnapper who's coming in to claim the property? Irrespective, when a formal contract is signed, it can't be changed. It's been put into effect and it can't be altered. All of it applies, every word, every line. You can't amend it. You can't choose your favourite bits and disregard the rest. It applies when the person is living, but it takes effect after their death. Well, I have some good news for everyone watching today. You have a surprise inheritance. There are treasures which have been deeded to you. And it's explained in this treasure box which we're going to look at later. I'm for real. There are treasures and inheritance deeded to you. And for you to live the abundant life in Jesus, it's best we know what they're about. 
We'll get to it shortly. This passage kind of links us and explains how we get there. So big picture, as we look at the book of Galatians and particularly the passage we've just heard, it's a calling for us to live by faith. We look at Abraham, the father of our faith, representing him with the letter A here, and the promises he received from God. Abraham was a man of faith. He was called out of his hometown of Ur in ancient Iraq, and he was called to follow God into a modern land, or a land of promise, modern-day Israel, into the land that God would promise and, and give to him. You can read more about this man in Genesis. But of significance to us today is the promises, the covenant which God gave Abraham. It was a forever promise, a royal proclamation, which was spoken to Abraham by God. And because it's relevant to our inheritance, I'm going to duck back to Genesis now and read it. <clears throat> it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He continues on. Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. And he goes on to describe the land's markers and the boundary markers. Now switch forward to the book of Galatians. It says, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture doesn't say, and to many seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning Jesus, one person, Jesus Christ. The seed referred to is Jesus. The covenant between God and Abraham was fulfilled in the Messiah, Jesus, and cannot be altered. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise, making those promises available to all who believe in him. That's the people from first century Galatia, but also the people from 21st century, Nilambic Shire and surrounds, anyone who believes in him. Now, I want you to keep this picture in mind as we go back to the book of, Galatia, of Galatians. It's a city where Jews and Gentiles were coming to faith in Christ. The Gentiles were being grafted in with those ancient promises that were given um, to the Jewish people, and they were learning together to be the people of God. There was friction and transition and change and conflict and sparks were flying as they tried to understand it all. There was much need for Paul to teach and rebuke and give clarification that was needed for them to live well in this new covenant time. Specifically in this passage, Jewish people who had learnt and had faith in Jesus and living as his followers were looking back to the law represented today by these little books. We'll put the law in about here if you're following the timeline. So they were kind of looking back and adding bits from the law, choosing their favourite bits or the things that they thought were really important. And Paul, the writer of the letter, does a bit of a ninja move and says, you want to look back? You want to pull things out of the law? Okay, but let's look back even further to what was before the law, to the promises God gave to Abraham. 
So this passage is a little bit of a clarification about how these two are relevant to each other when you're living in Christ in the, 20, or in the 21st century, but also for those that were following um, back then. So let's take a look. Keep that in mind as we look further. The law was given 430 years after Abraham. It was given to Moses, a mediator of the people of Israel. Now the law, as we've been looking in the last couple of weeks, was made up of 613 commandments. They were commandments for people to live holy as God's community, how to love God well, how to love each other well, how to love those in your tribe, how to treat those well outside your tribe, how to administer mercy and justice, how to care for the environment, how to care for a widow once a spouse had died. Some of them are really quite helpful, how to have good health and hygiene, other things like that. But it was impossible to follow all of them. No one could. And like a modern day contract, if you broke just one law, you've broken the overall contract. We'll keep them there for future reference. So Paul raises the question in verse 19, why bother with the law? What's its point, then or now? And verse 21, is the law opposed to God's promises? Now, this might not seem that relevant to people watching on today, but there are some examples here of where it could be useful. Number one, if you're ministering to Jewish people or trying to understand their worldview, this is a really important concept. Many of them still use the law and follow it in some form or another. Number two, when friends ask you, do you still need to follow the Ten Commandments? Do you still need to live under all those laws of the Old Testament? Do you know how you'd respond to that? Number three, for a clarity of how it all fits together so that we too don't fall into the trap of adding bits from Old Testament rules. That weighs us down, less weight, more joy overall. And number four, it explains the inheritance that awaits you and awaits me to enjoy an abundant life in Christ. I haven't forgotten, we're coming to that soon. So back to Paul's question, what's the point of the law? Why was it given at all? It was added because of the way people were living until Jesus, whom the promise referred to, had come. It was given in part as a benchmark and it was there to show people that we can't live up to God's standards of holiness in our own strength and capacity. The law was there to point to someone who could, to show what Jesus was like and how he lived. It didn't replace or supersede the promises because the royal covenant between God and Abraham was given before the law even existed. God's promise remains. That promise depends on God's grace to Abraham and God's promise, not the law introduced. Is it opposed to God's promises? No, Paul clarifies. In fact, it doesn't impart life. Living by a whole bunch of rules wasn't life-giving. Rather, it shows the whole world that we're all prisoners of sin. Not one of us could keep all these commandments and be right with God now and into eternity by ourselves. Not one of us could keep up living right by God and enjoying the fullness of the benefits of him in our own efforts. The law pointed to Jesus, 
the law given to Moses was fulfilled in Jesus and is no longer something who believe in Jesus need to follow. It doesn't have an effect on them. The promises given to Abraham were also fulfilled in Jesus and are now available to all who believe in him. Jesus is the mediator between God and all of humankind, from Abraham to future generations. So does the law still have relevance for us today? I would love to say a simple, no, it doesn't, throw it out. But in actual fact, in truth, it's a little bit more complicated than that. There are some laws, for example, that Jesus fulfilled. We know he fulfilled all of them. And he specifically says they're not relevant anymore. We've looked at that in the past weeks, things like circumcision. But there are other things like laws like do not murder. Jesus, uh, we all agree with that one, right? We don't want people murdering other people. But Jesus says not only do not murder, but do not hate people in your heart. He's raising the bar of holiness so much more than what the original command was. It's impossible apart from him, right? And he's showing us not just how to follow rules and commands, but how to live a life of love in community with his life as the example and his empowerment for us to do the same. It takes a long time to look at all of them, but essentially we know if we look and believe in Jesus and follow his example, he's fulfilled the law, but it's not quite as easy as saying they all get cancelled now. <clears throat> Let's continue on. Jesus fulfilled the law, all of it, and so now we look to him. His life, his resurrection, his coming in glory. Our hope is in him because what he has done which brings it to us. What was promised, been given through faith in Christ, might be given to those who believe. We're all being called to live a life of faith in Christ to claim our inheritance. What exactly is that inheritance? Has anyone switched off and they don't really care? Oh, I don't know, I didn't even know I had one. Well, here I am, I'm telling you, and just like my friend, well, friend of a friend, who found out he'd inherited a home and the first thing he wanted to do was fly up and, and check out that home, I hope that you are equally excited about what your inheritance, what has been deeded to you through what Christ has done. Let's have a look. The inheritance of God for you, purchased through Christ and all he has done, any guesses? The promises of God. God's promises are your inheritance. God's blessings are your inheritance. You might be thinking, hooray, or you might be thinking, yay, but I, I don't know what that means. And I want to finish up today by looking at three things in what I would say, suggest as next steps. Let's keep that in mind here. I need this space. Because we are, in, we are united with the anointed one, all of the promises of the kingdom are deeded to us through, to, because we believe in Christ. We'll put them together to represent us with him. Not because we kept the law or fulfilled religious duties, but we receive all the promises because of the promised one. 
He is the Saviour who brings all the promises of God to those who believe. So let's dig deeper and find out what they are. First application, know your inheritance. Know what I'm talking about. The promises of God are your inheritance. They're deeded and available to you. Some of them you get by default when you choose to believe in Christ. Others you need to do something to claim them. You can kind of open the, open the box and, and look through for your whole lifetime working it out. How do I take these? How do I live them? How do I internalise them? It's pretty huge, isn't it? It might be a bit mind-blowing at the moment. You could spend a whole lifetime looking at them. And in fact, that's one of my friends, what one of my friends did. When he realised that the abundant life that Jesus had purchased for him was available to him, and to live that abundant life, in part, it meant knowing the fullness of God and the promises available to him. He got a Bible and he got a pink highlighter and he went through and he highlighted all the promises of God for him so that they would stand out to him as ones available for him that he could take as his inheritance. Now, that might sound a little bit interesting to you. Maybe you'd like to do something similar. Where do you begin? I'd encourage you to begin with the words of Jesus. Often they're in red in your Bible. Or maybe you don't need a pink highlight those ones, but begin with the words of Jesus. My favourite words of Jesus right at the moment, the promise I hold on to him quite often, is in John 14. He says, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. My inheritance is God's perfect peace made available through Christ. There's a lot of changes coming up in my life. We're packing boxes at the moment. There's a change of churches. There's a lot of movement, a lot of decisions. And in the midst of a lockdown, there's a lot happening. But God promises me that his perfect peace is available to me anytime, anywhere. It's a promise that I cling to, I enjoy, and it's part of my inheritance. It's part of your inheritance. If you're meeting in a life group this week, why not talk to them about one of the promises of God that you're clinging to, enjoying and living? But it goes beyond the words of Jesus. We can also look back to the covenants that have been given to our forefathers in the faith. We looked a little bit at Abraham earlier. The promises of God, eternal promises given to Abraham are now available to us, are relevant to us, through what Jesus has done. Let's look afresh that his children will number as numerous as the sands. That's me, that's you, that's a worldwide church that continues to grow even in lockdown. Not just pre-pandemic, not just in the first century, but we're part of an expanding plan of God for the world, the people of the world to know him. There's a promise that all people will be blessed through his people. That's you, that's me, that speaks of our purpose, that we will be a blessing on this earth. Take a look at the promises of Abraham and others in the Old Testament as well, and let these things whet your appetite to find out more. Study is obviously helpful here because some of those promises apply to a specific group of people at a specific time. Uh, nonetheless, let it whet your appetite to find out more. And then the third type of promise, there are specific promises. So again, if you've got your highlighter, 
There are specific things that God might say to you through his word that you know is him whispering in your spirit. This is a promise for you at the moment. Perhaps in the middle of this lockdown, you're feeling anxious, a bit of post-traumatic stress disorder perhaps of the year that's gone and you need something from God and his, his word to you is, I will comfort those who mourn. I recognise the losses that you've endured. I'll redeem and restore what has been taken. Perhaps you know, just need to know the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've got this, Julie. I just need a little bit of joy. He wants to speak specifically to you. He wants to give you promises, give you your inheritance for this particular season. And the third application. So it's know your inheritance, ponder your inheritance, live your inheritance. How do you live it? How do you live this abundant life Jesus has bought for us? Is it enough simply to know it? And here it comes to one of my favourite scriptures, Romans 4, looking at the life of Abraham and how he lived the promises of God. It says, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and he became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the facts. He goes on to tell about the child that was promised. I won't go into that right now. He faced the facts. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Instead, he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God. Here's the key in how he could do that. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what God had promised. He wasn't looking at natural circumstances and weighing it up if it was possible. He was convinced that the God he knew would do what God had promised. It's as simple as that. Abraham believed God. And in the process of us doing the same, our hearts get purified, get cleansed, become whole. We live as people that want to know God more and live as his people. Our characters begin to reflect him to the world around us. The very thing that the law originally set out to do, to teach us how to be his people on the planet, becomes possible and occurs anyway as we believe in Jesus and trust in the promises of God. Amazing, right? Faith wins. Faith in Jesus is the ultimate. It accomplishes what the law couldn't. No wonder there's so much opposition to us growing in faith. I'm going to finish this up by praying. Lord, for the sake of the world around us, who so desperately need you, grow our faith. For the sake of each of us here and watching on, whom you so dearly love, expand our faith, that we can walk with a confidence and be fully persuaded that you are able to do what you have promised. Thank you that we are your children of promise, living with an abundant, eternal and incredible inheritance, loved and united with the promised one, Jesus Christ. In his holy name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.